Thanks for listening to the Providence Community Church Podcast. We hope you've been inspired today to love Jesus more deeply. For more information and other ways to connect with us, you can visit us on the web at providencecommunity.org. First of all, I do want to say happy Mother's Day, a huge one. Uh, our, our hearts are with you moms. And, and I, I've got a real broad definition of, of what a, a mom is uh, because there's lots of ladies here that uh, you're in all different kinds of situations. Maybe you've always wanted to have a baby and you haven't. Maybe you've always wanted to be married and you haven't. Maybe you've got more kids than you want, all right? Uh, but uh, a mother is someone who is, is, is a lady who is a carrier of the father's heart. That's what a mom is. And uh, as a, a ladies, as image bearers, um, uh, when you are living out the calling of God on your life and being who God's made you to be, you are showing the world what the Father's like too. Uh, and so I just want to say keep being you. Keep being uh, mothers in a world full of orphans. And uh, the kingdom will advance in huge ways. And so just be blessed today with that. Amen. Um, I want to speak to you all this morning um, I, I don't know why, but I, I felt like I had a, a pressure on my heart to, to find a passage in the scriptures that had a lady in it, because uh, it's Mother's Day, and to find that, I think that what the Spirit whispered to me is, is whether there's a lady in this passage or not, which there's not. Um, the, uh, uh, God just wants to, God wants to touch you where you're at, um, and I think that's the best Mother's Day uh, gift that we can operate in, just, just being found by God. Uh, sought out and, uh, um, and encountering him this morning. So are you guys okay if I go that direction? You good? All right. Um, if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Matthew chapter 14, uh, starting with verse uh, 22. It goes all the way to verse 33. This is a passage um, that in my Bible is called Jesus Walks on the Water, but uh, I want to focus on Peter walking on the water, Jesus literally calling Peter out of a boat. Uh, to walk on the sea. It's pretty wild. And I want to talk this morning uh, about this. I, I want to issue this, uh, this encouragement, issue, issue this charge, uh, issue this invitation um, that I believe that God is inviting people, moms, dads, sons, daughters, doesn't matter uh, whether you uh, consider yourself religious or whether you don't, if you've been to church before or you haven't. If you come to this church or you're just visiting, I believe if you're a human being that God's issuing us an encouragement, it's issuing us an invitation uh, to do life by living in over your head. Do life by living in over your head. Now, let me tell you first what I don't mean about that. I don't mean that you should be uh, trying feverishly to strive to operate in a season that's not yours. I don't mean that. Sometimes we feel like we're in over our head and we are, uh, we're really, the reality is we're stressed out because we're trying to live in the season that we may be operating in in the future, but not just being honest with where we are now. If you make $15,000 a year, you shouldn't buy a $9 million house. That's how it works, all right? Maybe another season, but not this one. You welcome in things when you try to operate in other seasons, right? And so I don't mean that. What I do mean is, is this, that God's inviting us to live in over our head versus or instead of living to preserve your place, living to preserve your safety, or living to preserve the season that you've uh, grown really comfortable and familiar with. 
It's interesting that while God has seasons for us, he doesn't uh, let them define us. He's always calling us out into new ones. And if you find a season or you find a place that you're like, as crazy as the storm is around me, at least I have this boat as my familiarity. God will quickly call you out of that if you want. So I, I want to talk this morning about living in over your head and how that actually welcomes the miracle while living to stay safe actually welcomes the familiar. I, I hope you hear that. Living in, we say, oh, I, I don't open my mouth and miracles come out. Well, that's because you love the familiar more than stepping out in faith, perhaps. I always have an issue with people that say, God just doesn't do miracles today. It's the church doesn't live like a life that demands one. So if you really want life change, you're going to have to step out of what's familiar and into the unknown in some way, in some capacity, and nobody gets to skip over that step of the process, that step of the journey. God's calling us to live in over our heads. I'm recommending that if you're following Jesus, he does not have great things like familiarity. Like, I always like to go back to my, my couch. I sit in the same seat on my couch. And then sometimes God calls us to burn that and say, I want you to get a new one. You're, you're too comfortable in this place in life. And I'm recommending that if you're following Jesus, he does not have famili- familiarity and a life that is highly manageable as his number one priority for you. Okay, actually following Jesus. When we say, Jesus, you can have everything, and then we're confused when it feels bad. Uh, it's just that Jesus' heart for you is that you operate in the great, glorious future that he is calling you into, not that you stay in the place and the season and the spot that you're in. It's going to be nasty. It's going to get choppy. It's going to be rough, and it's so glorious, my friends. I'm uh, discovering that... that uh, what, many times what we want God to do is make life manageable. Was it, is it the book of Proverbs chapter 4? talks about uh, trusting the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your life straight, or he will make your path straight, or some translations say he will make your life smooth. Oh. Let's crochet that, hang that up, big old frame, shine a light on it, especially the smooth part. In fact, I'll highlight that part. Give me a smooth life, Jesus. And that's just not always the promise, is it? What he wants to do is he wants us to step into the unknown. And so if you're going to give Jesus all you've got, you're stepping into a life where your new normal is. Here, wait for it, all right? I'm in over my head. I'm in over my head. That becomes your new normal. All right, your, 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 uh, your old normal was, I'm managing everything so I don't, have, I, I don't have stress. Your new normal is, I don't have stress because I found a God who's bigger than all of my stress and he's calling me into a new normal called living in over my head. Does this make sense? When uh, I've, and, and the, the people, some of the people that God's put into my life to model this biblical principle are in fact women. And I've got lots of stories. I had to choose a few this morning. But I've got lots of stories where people have operated in this uh, biblical heavenly reality. But I've got to talk about my, my mom, first of all. Is that okay? Where is she? 
Where is she? Is my mom here? Did she, did she skip on Mother's Day? There she is. Ow, ow. She's, there she is. I, and you guys have heard this story probably if you've been coming here for any amount of years, you've, been, you've heard this story at least 50 to 190 times, but I can't help but tell it. My, uh, uh, when I was about 9 or 10 years old, my parents went through a divorce. My mom moved us to a, uh, a trailer park right across the street from the Wild Horse and Burrow Farm in Lewisbury, Pennsylvania. All right, this was the late 80s where um, it seemed like if you, if you were a person with a truck, um, there, you, you had one of those racks in the back of your truck, like right behind the seat, you know, because it's just two seaters and then you'd, you'd pile three more in, you know, but it was just that, that you actually tote your gun, your shotgun, your BB gun, right? And it's actually, that's how people rolled back then, always taking their gun, going to the grocery store, <laughs> taking the 30, all right? Yes, that's what doing. And so we lived in a trailer park where all the men were like that. They all, all had a truck. They all had multiple guns in it. Um, and I remember that this one day, a, uh, in the middle of the day, this gigantic possum with rabies comes staggering into the trailer park right down Main Street, all right? And all of these men that have guns in the truck are running and hiding and looking out the window through the curtains like, oh. I remember I was one of those young guys. I was only nine or ten years old, and I came in in the house and into the trailer, and, my, and I said to my mom, I said, mom, 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 a huge possum with rabies is like staggering and, and, uh, and just foaming at the mouth and making rear, weird sounds. And I follow her to her bedroom. She goes to her closet. She has a 16-gauge Winchester pump. Uh, she grabs that and she, oh, tell me about this possum. Uh, tell me, tell me about that. How many, hey, give me that box of shells, honey. Come here. Uh, tell me about this. Where did you say that possum was? <laughs> All right. Oh, okay, honey, listen. Oh, I want you to watch Full House and cover your ears. All right. Okay. Now, <laughs> mommies will be right back. I didn't watch Full House. I watched out the window as my mom faced the possum eye to eye and blew its head off, all right, <laughs> completely, and put a couple extra ones in it. And then as all the kids are clapping, going, wow, she goes, honeys, tell your daddies to clean that up, all right? She's got back inside, I, I got macaroni on, so, okay. My wife, a few years ago, she was, uh, uh, she was coming home from something, um, and uh, some car on our street got too close to our parked cars on the street and took a side view mirror off of my vehicle, all right? And they just kept driving. I, at that time, took the uh, defeatist approach, like, oh man, this always happens to me. And then I kind of let shame speak. People in this town just don't know respect, right? My wife jumps in her minivan and chases that car down the street. <laughs> she, she waits till the car stops at a stop sign and then she pulls in front of it and just points at the person like this. It was the kind of po uh, point that says, I hope you're carrying a knife. I hope you are carrying a knife. And then as she locks eyes with the person, she just does this. She motions them back to our house and they obeyed. And they're glad they did, I promise you that. I promise you that. And they come back to the house, and my wife said, you took off our side window. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, the whole block heard the crash. But okay, you, you didn't know. And my wife's just like, I, I, I'm watching you, all right? 
It was really good. I watched these women in my life operating in, a, in a, a fierceness that's actually from the Father's heart. And I want to tell you that what is making them powerful in a generation that wants to hide is, is that they have done business with God in such a way that they're willing to step into a situation that presents itself. Instead of living, living as a defeatist, they're willing to live in over their head. Do you know what I'm saying? So Matthew chapter 14 Starting with verse 22, going to verse, uh, I don't know, until I stop here a second. We're going to read this together. It says, Immediately he, that's Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. He has just fed the, the 5,000, which is probably about 20,000 because 5,000 men plus the, the wives, the ladies, all the kids that don't get counted back then. This is a massive amount of people. Jesus has just fed all these people with a few fishies and a few pieces of bread. The crowds are pressing in. They want more. Jesus puts the disciples on a boat, says head to the other side. That's, that's uh, the context that we're in right now. And then verse 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. In other words, they're rowing and they're working hard, but they're really not going anywhere. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's about four in the morning, he came to them walking on the sea. Of course he did. It's Jesus, of course. Verse 26, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. No, let's just stop there for a moment because what's coming next in this passage is an encounter with Jesus that would, would speak something to us that we all need to live with in our lives with desperation, with desperation. We, when we face crazy situations, my life's going nowhere. When we see Jesus literally showing up, we don't even recognize it's him. Well, it's a ghost. Our, our first inclination is to operate in fear, but Jesus is calling his disciples out of that, and he's calling you and I out of that into a great uh, depth of freedom and courage in these days like we've never known. And so I want to talk about two things that living in over your head mean, and I'm going to get that starting in verse 28 here, but the first one is if you're, if you're going to purpose in your heart that I'm going to live in over my head, so to speak, I, you're going to have to get used to stepping out because that's where Jesus calls us. In every situation, stepping out, look at, verse, look at verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And if you need any, like, if you need, uh, any encouragement to pray for the miraculous, do this. This isn't necessarily smart, all right? But it is an, a, a cry, an answer that lines up with Jesus' heart, and he answers it. Yeah. Like, pray like a child. Pray like a child. I, I, I know my, my brother Philip, Pastor Philip, he said that his son Oliver was praying for an orange minivan. God help us to buy an orange minivan for years. And they're like, oh, that's the last car we'd ever drive. They go to the lot, the only vehicle that is for them that day is an orange minivan. And Oliver's like, yes. <laughs> they drove that for years, all right? They, so pray like a child, my friends. And, said, and so it goes on to say in verse 29, 
so he said this. Jesus said, come. Come. Come out of your familiar. Come out of your spot. Well, Jesus, I, I wasn't expecting you to say come. I thought you'd say, no, no, stay right there. I'll be right there. I thought you were going to come into my spot. Are you serious? I was right? Come. Interesting. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat. It's, it's like his whole life was built till this moment. Peter's a fisherman. He's used to, even in a troubled, windy sea, he's used to the comfort of a boat. Come on out. What you actually said is what I'm doing in this moment. Step out of the familiar. Come into the unknown. Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Stop right there. Jesus, if you want to live in over your head, Jesus is going to call you out of the familiar. He's going to call you to step out. And, and many times what he's calling us to step out of is not a boat. Many of us don't get our significance and our whole world and our whole livelihood and our, our, our whole stuff is not built around a fishing vessel. But we have a lot of things that we need to step out of. I know many of us, what we need to do is we need to step out of fear, right? So, so much of us, our whole life is an attempt to just make sure people are okay with us because we're scared to death of anybody being at odds at us, even if they need to be. Some people just need to, just need to know that you're just not okay with them. So, some, some people just, just need to know that you're not afraid of them, that your life isn't revolving around their perception of you. And so God's calling us out of fear. I think Jesus, when, when Jesus is, is saying in verse 27 to his disciples, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. One translation says, be brave. Be brave, step, step out, I know what's coming. Even in a bad situation, fear can't win. I've already said this, but some of us, we need to step out of not just fear, but we need to step out of the familiar. The familiar. Command me to come on the water. So Peter got out of a boat. Now, this isn't, the, the, the water's not like glass. The wind is not gentle. It's the middle of a storm. The waves are gigantic. And Jesus says, come to me even in a storm. Out of your familiar into the unknown. Come to me even, even uh, though the boat is all you have and all you know. Come to me even though the boat is the safest thing in your life right now. I want to show you a heavenly safety that, that uh, is imparted to you in my presence. Come to me despite the unfamiliarity of a crashing waves and walking on the water. And it's, how, it's amazing how many of us decide to stay scared but safe. We decide to stay scared. Okay, here's, here's what feels more comfortable, uh, comfortable to me. Fear with my supposed safety instead of the unknown with Jesus' is calling. Very interesting. And Jesus this morning to some of us, he's issuing the, the, the Peter invitation. Come. What are you hanging out in? What's taking my place in your heart? Come. Stepping out of fear. Stepping out of the familiar. Stepping, stepping out of what you've known as safety. And stepping into, listen, the impossible 
the impossible. Don't you love this, that the only thing that Jesus says is, is come. He doesn't say, now, now listen, now Peter, just pull out your, your smart device. I want you to see that I've just texted you a step-by-step detailed uh, presentation about how the water's gonna feel on your feet as you first put it. It's gonna feel squishy, but I promise it's going to hold, all right? Don't let that worry. That's number one. Number two, keep your eyes away from the waves. And just, he, Jesus didn't do this. That's what we all want. We want a step-by-step. We want to see the end from the beginning. And Jesus wants us to embark on a journey where the only thing that's keeping us going forward is him. He doesn't, doesn't, there's no plan here. There's no promise. There's one invitation. There's no assured outcome. Jesus didn't say this with stipulations. Jesus did, this wasn't a package deal. It was just an invitation. And God forbid that we get to the place where we must know the end from the beginning. I've got to know, what's, I've got to know the outcome. Because what happens in the church, and, and we, we try to make this good Christianity, but it never is. What happens is, is, that, is that is beginning to, the, to leave the realm of faith, and, but we call it, no, I want to operate in wisdom. You know what the wisest thing is? Step into the unknown at the invitation of Jesus, not seeing the end from the beginning. This, this is, it's a backwards kingdom where children lead, where you don't know what's going to happen. You just trust the one that's calling. That, that we'd ever be unwilling to take a face step just right into the middle. Some of you are trapped in a season because you want to know what it's going to look like at the end. So you never do what is necessary in the middle. And you never get to the end because God's not showing you that. He's inviting you to your moment in the middle. So stepping out of and stepping into the impossible and stepping at Jesus' invitation. You ever stepped at Jesus? You ever stepped at him? Jesus, I have, no, I have no clue what to do. I have no clue what's going to happen. You actually answered my impossible prayer. I was actually joking. I, I wanted to look good in front of my friends. Hey, Jesus, that's you, man. Call me out. It's a great idea, Peter. Come. <laughs> I want you to see Jesus' invitation to come. There's not shame in his eyes. Peter, I've, I've been waiting for this moment. So I've been talking to the Father on the hill. I've been waiting for you to get to the end of yourself that you would do what you do, and that's that crazy. So I can invite you out of the boat, that you would come. N- not, not because I've promised an outcome, N- not because I- I'm trying to ruin your day and night, but I wanted you to step at me. I wanted you to step at my invitation Verse 29 is is gigantic. He said, or Jesus said, come. And can I tell you, church, that that must be enough. That has to be enough. Jesus said, come. Was any other details? Just come. When my wife and I have conversations, 
this is kind of how I talk to her. And I, I love this. It's just kind of, it's more like Jesus, you know? What'd they say? They said, hi. Anything else? No. That's supposed to be a joke, and I feel like you're angry at me. <laughs> Agent's like, what color's the hair with this? Mom, when they said it, I was like, I have, I have no clue. They just said, yo. They just said, hi. Jesus just said, come. There's, there's no other colors. It's black and white. Come or stay, Holmes. Come or stay. Would that be a good t-shirt? Anybody come or stay, Holmes? Would that, would that be good? Sammy, work on that. Anyway, um, hey, so, um, so it, I, I really believe that, that so, so often um, what we say is good business practices, what is good wisdom and stuff, is actually just an attempt to keep us feeling safe and secure, keeping all of our ducks in the row w- with a backup plan. And I'm just wondering if there's any place in your life where you've actually done what, what most churches would call unwise, where you've actually done something ridiculous because Jesus invited you in. And can I, can I hit pause for a second? If you, if you feel like, like God is speaking to you, there's two things. I need you to run those things through biblically, and the first one is the Bible. Jesus will never invite you into something unbiblical. And when Jesus is, is speaking to you, when you're on, on, on this side of the cross, guys, when the Spirit is prompting you and speaking to you and stuff, he's not downloading new scripture. He's confirming ancient truths. You know this? He's, you're not getting new Bible and you say, well, God just told me this so I can disobey that. No, no, that's not how it works. You're not writing the Bible when God talks to you. You're, you're receiving downloads into new seasons. God's calling you out and at. And then, then if what God is telling you lines up with the scriptures, then I would say the next step, and this is the one that's mostly forgotten, saying, okay, it doesn't contradict the scriptures, what I feel Jesus calling me into and at and out from and everything. So I'm going to take this to spiritual fathers and mothers in my life. I'm going to say, this is what I sense God's telling me. This makes sense to you? Listen, you and I aren't Ezekiel today. All right? This, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church, and recognizing his voice happens now in community. When he's speaking, that's not lined up with, with spiritual parents in your life or trusted friends. Oh, man, ugh, I know it doesn't contradict the Bible, but I'd be patient with that word, Holmes. It's, you know what's unwise? Is it's unwise to put the pedal down and move forward. A little encouragement, all right? Here's one other thing, though, that living in, if you want to live in over your head, here's what that means. It means this. It means that, that failure is the enemy. No. <laughs> That's why I said it like, like that. <laughs> it means this. And that means that failure is a friend. It means that failure is important. If you have written on your heart any, anywhere that... that uh, um, you know, you know, nothing short of success in my life. <laughs> Failure is not an option. Here's the problem with your theology is that you haven't learned to be a son or daughter yet because you actually think that it's your success that gets father's attention. And in the kingdom, Jesus says, you've got to fail. It's very important. Jesus was literally calling Peter out 
Jesus didn't find out what Peter was going to do. Oh, you stepped out. <laughs> oh, blow my mind, Peter. All right, well, I guess start walking. Now let's see what happens. Uh, it's, it's not that at all. Jesus knows what he's calling Peter into, and he's calling Peter into a sinking situation. At least he stepped out. Come on. So many of us are like, you're sinking. You're sink, sinking, sinking style. Well, at least he stepped out. You're still safe, safety style, man. I'd rather, I'd rather be sinking at the feet of Jesus out of the boat. And Jesus is saying failure is, is important. There, there's such a fear of failing in our culture and in our souls. Sons and daughters aren't afraid to fail, healthy ones. But our culture speaks that when you succeed, you're valuable. And when you fail, you're stupid. When your team wins, you rock. But when your team loses, you're a loser. And this is what the culture and this is what the world speaks into our hearts and our lives. So we know how to lose. We know how to fail. In fact, if we're honest with what's going on in our souls, many of us, one of our greatest, I mean top 10 list, I mean top three list, I mean some of you top, n numero uno, you're scared to death to fail. As a dad, as a mom, as a leader, you, you, never, you never want a promotion at your work because you're like, this is my boat. I'm not stepping out. I, I don't want to fail. Jesus is like, I, I, I keep giving you favor. Rise up. Rise up. I like it here. I'm afraid to fail. And how many, on, let's be honest with our, with our own thoughts for a second. How many of us, we have to chase away, or maybe we're even at a place where we don't chase off these thoughts anymore. Maybe they have now come to define us, and we actually don't recognize them as darts from the enemy. We actually recognize them as our own thoughts. We lay claim of these thoughts. Thoughts that say, say things like, you're such a failure. You're good for nothing. You're so stupid. Yeah, you can't, you're nothing, just nothing. Don't even try. Don't even try. Somebody else will do it, and you just stay exactly where you're at, middle of a storm, scared on a boat. That's what your life needs to be. The vast majority of us are some hybrid of that nonsense. And can I, can I tell, call that what it is? Is it what that is is a spirit of religion. It's, it's, a, it's fear on uh, steroids. It's a spirit of religion that associates our performance with our worth, that associates our performance with our value, that, that associates uh, our, our uh, achievement with our advancement. This is not the kingdom. Jesus calls us out, and sometimes because he's a good father, he calls us into situations where we're going to stumble or we're gonna sink. And can I just say this, that, that you, my friends, need to fail more. If you're, not, if you're not failing more in life, you're playing it too safe. Listen, fail more and laugh at it. I tried, stepped out of the boat, operating courage, fell flat on my face. It was amazing while I was down. Jesus, man, came. 
So what God wants to teach us is perseverance in storms. What God wants to teach us is how to operate in a spirit of victory, though we have experienced defeat. This is otherworldly. You lost. Why are you smiling? You failed. Why are you acting like a winner? Father, man, why wouldn't I? I tried. Failed. Still going. You need to fail more because you need to learn what it is to be rescued. Hello? Christianity is not you trying hard, pulling your own self up by your own bootstraps, digging your own self out of your own grave, trying hard for Jesus. Jesus says, oh, wow, man, you're getting up. That's how the spirit of religion, Jesus says, it. yeah, you're getting up, man, get on in there. <laughs> because that's, that's, not even the, that's not even a form of the gospel. That's not even, oh, we disagree on a few things. That's not Christianity. Christianity isn't I tried hard to get to heaven. Christianity is, dude, I really know what it is to be rescued. So when I was sinking, Jesus, I didn't recall my, my, my swimming instruction moves from the Y. I just sank and I cried for help, and here he was pulling me up and telling me where we're going, doing all the work, and I was just basking in his perfection. Do you know, um, I, uh, I had, you know, I, I talked about my kids every single week, and because I love them so much. Um, I'm really proud of, of my son. Um, he's getting huge, he's getting really huge. Can I put you on the spot? Could you just stand up for a second? Just watch this. This is Ethan. He's, I, I promise him to never do this. I'll let you play Fortnite later. All right? So, uh, but uh, do you see it? This boy's 12. Do you, do you see this? Yes. Show him your feet. Show him your feet there. Look at that. Do you see that? Now sit down and be quiet. All right? So, no. But uh, Ethan, you can see he, he, outgrew, he outgrew his little bunk bed. It was like trying to jam a, a gorilla in like a crib, man. It was like... And, uh, and he was like, say, Dad, I really need a new bed. So we, we broke the bank, man, and we went on Amazon, dude, and we ordered him a new queen-size frame and one of those mattresses that comes in a box and you roll out and it goes, wazam, by a miracle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so we got him one of these. And I, I remember on my day off one day, I, I took two hours. I, I really don't have power tools. I took the little Allen wrench that comes in the box. I'm just like, love my boy. Love my boy. Boy, I, mean, I was really uh, doing it out of love, you know. So putting this whole thing together, and then I got, then I carried up this huge thing by myself. I, you know, the thing comes out of the box. And what happened was I realized that I had accidentally ordered a full-size frame and a queen mattress. And I just spent two hours building the frame, and now nothing would work except we had a mess. I had to take it apart. Amazon didn't help me. We've got, if anyone needs a full-size awesome frame, all right, it's sitting in my living room in a box. Had to order a new one. And Adrian called me um, later that day just to be nice. But I was in a bad place after this because this, you know, this bed frame story got to a place in my heart and a lie that I was believing. Let me be vulnerable, all right? Here's what erupted out of my heart. Adrian. And I, I said this so pastoral. I said it with, with a gentleness. Just, it, was, it, was, it was just this heavenly calmness, just, 
speaking, just imagine this. It was just so peaceful. I said this, actually from a, a dark place in my heart. Adrian, no matter how hard I work, I stay in the same place. Oh, she says. Oh, I repeated it, this time with more angst. No matter how hard I work. Adrian, listen, I, I'm putting this thing together with an Allen wrench for two hours. No matter how hard I work, Stay in the same place. I've actually got, I'm in a worse place. I've, now I've got, I've got to return this. I've got to call Amazon. I've got this. I've got to order a new one. And instead of like, I, it's double. Hurting the family financially. Come on. That's how I talked. And I, I remember that this is what God showed me this morning. That God showing me that no matter how hard I work, I stay in the same place, it's how a person talks from inside the boat. This is exactly the place that Jesus wanted to put the disciples out into. I want you to row all night, and I'm going to send a stiff wind to keep you in the same spot. All night long, you're going to row, and all night long, you're going to go nowhere, nowhere. No matter how much effort you exert, you go nowhere. No matter how much energy you, 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 and effort you try with, you're going to go nowhere until I come to you operating in a miracle and inviting you with a heavenly invitation to step out of this. So here's, here's the question is, could it be that God is calling you into deeper waters? Could it be that God is calling you out of the boat? Could it be that God is calling you to take some risks? Could it be that God is calling you to do something radical? Could it, could it be that God is calling you to listen for his voice again? And if you find yourself like, no matter how hard I try, nothing gets better, I just wonder if what, what the, it, that is a lie from the enemy, but it's a setup from Jesus. I sent you into this moment. The question is, do you want to step out of it or do you want to stay in the safety of it? I think that one of the things that God is doing in our midst and in this family, in this community, in this area of all places, is he's actually stirring up in the insides of his children a, a new identity that knows who we are. And then a new authority that says, keep me in over my head. Call me out of the boat onto the deeper waters. Lead me out of the familiar Lead me out of fear. Lead me out of depression. Lead me out of feelings of failure that sabotage my identity. I'm coming at you. Coming at you. Jesus, I'm just coming at you today. I'm just coming at you today. I don't have the answers and you haven't given them to me. I don't have, I, I, have, I really have no prov, uh, promise to stand on. I just have the invitation of Jesus. Come, come. Some of us are in seats today and, and we've never received the invitation of Jesus to come to him to be adopted as a son or daughter in faith. He says, come. Some of us are in a situation you feel like you're going nowhere fast, struggling against the waves. And Jesus just says, stop complaining and come. Stop believing lies and come and come and just come. And that's gotta be enough for you. Come at me, man. Come at me, bro. This morning, um, I, uh, we talked uh, to Michelle uh, Brumgard, who's one of our raving intercessors here. Right? Are you thankful for her? Right? 
mother in the house. Um, and, uh, and she's actually going to come in with some children. We're seeing um, there's so many uh, crazy, wild things happening at Providence, and God is using children. Just, children have been praying for people, and they've been getting healed at Providence. So we just thought we'd invite them, a few of them in to pray. And I know there's other people that, need, uh, that, that are going to be up here that would love to pray with you. I'm going to stay here uh, for a little while after I get some gum, all right? Yeah. But I, I just want to invite you guys, and I want to send you in this. Some of you got, you got to go to Mother's Day lunch and bless those moms and do it really well. But some of you, these five minutes that you would step just to the front is really symbolic of you stepping out of your boat and just coming and just coming. So can I just start the ball rolling here? Can I just pray? Heavenly Father, give us, give us a, just a, a, a real understanding of what you're doing in this moment. And uh, I, I, uh, at Jesus' invitation, I just welcome people to, to come and step into something new. Step into the unknown. Stop spiritualizing um, safety in a boat. And step out of this moment and into the new next one. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the, the wonderful things that you're pouring out on your bride. And we just want to be in sync with your heart in these days. Um, God, I, I, uh, I just... Just speak this one last time before I wrap up. I just, in prayer, I pray, God, that sons and daughters would know their identity in you and stop defining themselves as failures. And God, I pray that if there's anybody here that needs that to break off, that they would come and trust a, a trusted brother or sister or even a child today to pray into them what God says about them. We bless you, God. We praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I just say, come, guys.